Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Happy Thursday, everybody, and welcome to episode 52 of the Snyder Cut. There's an episode for every week of the year. I am Jeff Snyder, senior film reporter at Collider, and with me, as always, is nobody. That's right, I do the show all by myself, flying off the cuff. Uh, Where do we want to start? Well, I mean, it's hard to ignore that debate the other night. What a train wreck. Just not a good look for anybody, really, um, especially Donald Trump, who came off like a, uh, a raving lunatic. But uh, no surprise there, right? Joe Biden, man, I, w- I wish we could find somebody a little bit more exciting in the Democratic Party than, than this guy, but it's like he's the lesser of two evils. Um, I will say that what really got me in the debate was the moment where Joe Biden said that he was still proud of his son. Like Trump came after Biden's family, which just seemed like totally below the belt, said he, you know, wasn't aware of, of Biden's kid who, you know, served in the military and, and uh, died an honorable death or, or you know, whatever. And, um, but, but, but he came after uh, Hunter Biden, you know, because he had a, a Coke problem and it's like, uh, right, right, no, that's right. Um, yeah, like his, Hunter Biden had lost his family, and, and uh, I don't know, man. It's just we all struggle. We all have substance issues, or you know, ad- various addictions, and it's like you know, to to have that stuff is to be human, and, and to see Trump come after him, and to see Biden say, no, 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 like I, I was, you know, I'm proud of my son for for everything he's gone through and, and overcome. Like that hit me right there. I think we want a president who has empathy and uh and so yeah that's the jeff snyder very um poorly phrased uh political point of the week let's dive in to the fun stuff miss marvel miss marvel got cast the other day iman Vellani. she's a newcomer a canadian newcomer and she came completely out of nowhere didn't even have an imdb page couldn't find any reps for her on IMDb Pro. So I don't even know who made this deal for her. Um, but wow, the, the role of a lifetime. I mean, you rarely see a pure newcomer with like no acting experience whatsoever nab a role like this. Um, I even think it's one thing when it's like someone like Cooper Hoffman, Philip Seymour Hoffman's kid, who's now the lead in a Paul Thomas Anderson movie. I don't know if he's ever acted in his life. But he was the son of an actor. He probably grew up visiting film sets. Um, I think he speaks the the, the movie language. So I I can see that more than than a pure newcomer. Um, But hats off to Marvel for going in this direction. I I think this Iman uh, Vellani has a a great story. She served on this like next wave board sort of thing up at uh, TIFF last year where she was tasked, she and a group of other Canadian teenagers were, were tasked with like identifying films in the lineup that uh, would resonate with, with young people. And now she's part of, a, of an important project that's going to resonate with a lot of young people. I think that's super cool how that sort of came full circle for her. You know, obviously we don't have anything to go on. I don't know if, if she can act or not. She has a good look. 
she looks like she could play a, a Pakistani American team. And uh, Miss Marvel is, is Kamala Khan, and she is the first on-screen Muslim hero that Marvel has ever had. So, you know, this, this project means a lot to a lot of people. Um, I, you know, I, I'd heard a couple of other names for it, but I think that they kind of proved to be too old. Like, Mon Valani, she's, I, I don't know exactly how old she is, but she seems like a real teenager. And I think that that was important. I think Marvel, that, that, that's really what they wanted to go for. Um, they didn't want a, you know, a young woman. They wanted a, t- a kid who doesn't really know what she's doing, doesn't have a lot of experience. And, and that's why I kind of like this uh, Iman Vellani casting. So, you know, hats off to Justin Kroll. This is a, a great scoop that was trending yesterday on Twitter. I think people were really happy for her and, and excited about it and excited just to see this series come together at Disney+. Plus. Now, there's so many Marvel series, I can't even keep them straight up there. Besides Falcon and Winter Soldier and Loki and uh, WandaVision, you've got She-Hulk. And we just had one announced this week for Iron... Uh, not for Iron Fist, for Nick Fury. Excuse me. Nick Fury is getting his own show. Um, now, I wish it was like an R-rated Sam Jackson just cussing up a storm, but I have a feeling it won't be that. I'm sure Sam Jackson looked around, though, and was just like, man, everybody's getting... These, these Disney Plus paydays, except for good old Nick Fury. And I don't, I, you know, it sounds like he, he didn't want to just like pop in for cameos on these other shows. So he's like, yeah, just give me, give me my own thing. I'll do it. Who knows? But yeah, Miss Marvel, I dig it. I like it. And maybe we'll see some of those actresses who, you know, those other actresses that I'd heard, maybe we'll see them in other roles uh, popping up on the show. You know, because I, I imagine that uh, they recognize the importance of the show. And um, what's interesting about this role is that, that we're supposed to be seeing this character on the big screen as well. So maybe Iman Vellani's deal included feature options. Beats me. Whew. Let's go to Zac Efron. Zac Efron signing on to star in the Firestarter remake up at Universal. Um, well, remake, new adaptation, whatever you want to call it. I don't think it the, the, I don't know how, I never read the actual book, but I don't know how much the movie actually strayed from the book. Zac Efron, yes, the kid from High School Musical is now of age to have children. I think he's 33 maybe? I'm not exactly sure how old Zac Efron is. He's got to be around early thirties. Yeah. Um, and anyways, in any case, he's old enough to have an eight, nine, 10 year old kid. Sure. He just signed on to that three men and a baby remake at, at, at uh, Disney plus. So he's going to be playing the father. We've got uh, Keith Thomas who did the vigil, which I have not seen yet, but I've heard nothing but great things about. He's directing from a script by Scott teams, Jason Blum producing with Akiba Goldsman. And I like, I, you know, they don't make enough good movies about fire. They make tons of movies about water, you know, things happening in the ocean, shark killer sharks, you know, whatever it is. A lot of stuff is going on in the water, but fire, I maintain that Backdraft is still the best movie about fire ever made. And I know Firestarter is not a fire movie like Backdraft is. It's a, it's a, like a sci-fi thriller, but I want to see some cool shit done with fire in this movie. And I I want it to like be, can can we do this practically? Like, I don't know. There's too much like CGI fire these days. I want to see shit burn for real. I want to see the smoke, the soot. 
But really, Universal just has to cast this girl, Julia Butters, from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. She may be, maybe she's too old. Maybe she's like 12 or 13 now. God, she impressed me so much last year in, the, in that Tarantino movie. That little girl was brilliant. I, I just don't think there's a lot of little girls on that level. Um, and I hope that they keep it to, you know, to a little girl. I hope they don't make it like a, a little boy or, or anything like that. Zac Efron is a, is a good anchor for this type of movie. You know, Blumhouse, they don't make a lot of like star driven stuff. Like you can throw, you know, pa- Patrick Wilson in a Blumhouse movie and it'll still open to 20 million uh, or, you know, uh, the nun and, and things like that. Like you don't, you don't need a giant star. Zac Efron is probably one of the biggest stars um, that Blumhouse has ever really worked with. And I think it's going to pay off. I mean, I think it just elevates the profile of this movie, you know, beyond where it was a few days ago. So what, we, what was interesting about this announcement, I'm going to give you a peek behind the curtain on this story and another story, but it was like, I was supposed to post this Zac Efron story, I don't know, Friday. I probably felt pretty confident in, in my sourcing and everything on, on Thursday. So I said, like, let's do this Friday. Didn't happen. Then we're like, all right, you know, let's wait the weekend, whatever. We'll push it to Monday. And Monday comes, nah, it's looking like Tuesday. I'm like, oh, God, okay. Um, so I wait till Tuesday. I break the story. I'm happy. You know, there, there's no problem. And, and there's still no problem. But three minutes after the story goes up, a release goes out. So it's like, so I just held this story for, you know, a, a few weeks, maybe a few days once I was really, really sure I had it. Um, and I get a three minute window. Like, I don't know. It just didn't seem right to me. It didn't go down well. I mean, again, I'm not upset. I'm just disappointed because like the minimum window should be five minutes or at least tell me like, Hey, once you post, we're probably going to be sending out a release. So I just, I know I still look good because I'm writing off of sources rather and everybody else is writing off the release and it, and it takes time once they get the release to put a story out. But, I don't know. It just seemed like that thing was everywhere. Like five minutes after I posted. Um, ideally you're always looking as a reporter, I think for a 10 to 15 minute window of, of exclusivity, but maybe this was just, you know, too, too big for that. Uh, anyways, my buddy, Justin Kroll at deadline, uh, congratulated me, said, you know, nice scoop. I said, Kroll, I got another one coming, another one coming the next morning. He was like, I'm looking forward to it. Of course, uh, that was the Sandman story, which we'll talk about in just a second. But then, you know, later in the day, Kroll one-ups me with that Miss Marvel story. I can't even win a day against this guy. He's that good. (sighs) Anyways, um, Sandman. We got Tom Sturridge, who I'm told is in talks to play Dream, a.k.a. Morpheus, a.k.a. the Sandman himself. Now, when I think, like, I was like, Tom Sturge, what do I know this guy from? I don't really know if I've seen, I mean, I've seen his work, I know. I just don't know if I'd recognize him. Like, I, I watched Velvet, uh, Velvet Buzzsaw. I guess he has a role in that. I, I couldn't, couldn't place him off that. The movie that I most closely identify him with, even though I didn't see it, is far from the Madden crowd. Because, you know, it's him and Carrie Mulligan and Matthias uh, Schoenarts. So... He's not an unknown by any stretch, but he's also not really a name. And I don't know if people were expecting a name because this was going to be, you know, Joseph Gordon-Levitt at one point, 
and now they have the Audible, you know, podcast where it's James McAvoy. I kind of like that they didn't go with a name, and and I do think that this guy, Tom Surge, has a certain look. He, he has, um, well, he, he I think he could pull off the hair. You know, he's gonna need to have to grow out the hair a little bit, but uh, I, I I can see that. I can see like the sunk the cheeks. He's got these sort of strong cheekbones. Um, so th- and, and by all accounts, he, he seems like a pretty good actor. I've heard some other names for Sandman. I don't want to say who they are um, because I don't know if those deals are, are going to work out or, you know, the extent of the roles. And so I had all these names, right. And I bring them to Netflix and Netflix is like, we'll add you to tracking. And, you know, while I appreciate that gesture as a reporter, it's like, you didn't really engage with me at all. And you kind of just said, we'll add you to tracking and we'll let you know when, when it can be announced. That's not what I'm looking for as a reporter. Uh, I'm looking for an answer. Like I didn't email you to track stories with deadline. I'm my job. I get paid to beat deadline. So if I'm asking a question, I either want a yes, a no, a, you know, this is too early. Can you hold or a no comment? But to just say, hey, thanks for your question. And just to let you know, other people have asked the same question too. That's not really an answer. It's just not going to fly with me. And I think that most of the publicists that I work with um, have learned over the years how to deal with me. And, you know, and I think I work with them pretty well. Like, you know, I think Marvel and Netflix both kept me from getting egg on my face recently. And they're just like, Jeff, you know, what you have just isn't accurate and that's fine. And if somebody tells me something's not accurate, particularly uh, so with, with Netflix, like I'd heard Borat too was going to go to uh, Netflix, ended up going to Amazon. And I, I press, I, you know, I, I asked Netflix and, and you know, they were like, no, we didn't, uh, we didn't acquire it. So I was like, okay, well the way that they phrased that was, okay, maybe they didn't acquire it. Maybe they financed the whole thing and paid for it. So I had to, you know, go back to them and, and they just, they gave me an answer that left no wiggle room. And once a company does that, like when they're giving you a denial, a firm, strenuous denial like that, I went back to Frosty and was like, we, we can't run this story. Like there's just, there's no opening for us. And, and I'm glad that we didn't because it turned out to be wrong. I, I have a feeling that uh, a source, an anonymous source was uh, maybe, maybe messing with me or, or, or trying to get Netflix to up its, uh, its offer over Amazon. I don't know. The point is, is that there are people who, you know, engage with you and can either help you to get a story or help you from not screwing something up and getting egg on your face, which is the worst feeling as a reporter. But to just say, ah, you know, hey, others have, have called and when the deals are done, we'll, we'll let you know. You're on the list. Like, I don't play to be on the list. So, you know, we decided forget all these other names that I've heard, whether they're right or wrong. And some were right and some were wrong, but forget them because they're not important. They may be bigger names than Tom Sturge, but that's not what people want to know about Sandman. They want to know who's playing Sandman. The other characters, sure, people are curious, but it's all about who's going to star in this show. So at that point, it's like, Listen, I, I could be an, a good boy and, and wait for Netflix to tell me when it's safe and, and they'll give me the right names and, and they you know, will tell me which names were wrong. But I'm playing to win here. I'm playing for keeps. So 
when I got enough sourcing on the, the storage element of it specifically, I was like, this is a story on its own. So I rewrote the entire story, got rid of all the other names that were in there and just ran a story about Tom. And, and that way I can put it out as an, as an exclusive. And I'm sure that others were upset about it. And I, there probably isn't a, a done deal and, and who knows, maybe, you know, something could fall apart, but you know, I don't get why TV shows get to play by different rules than movies where every day there's so-and-so in talks to do this or that in movies. And in TV, we all have to wait diligently for deals to close. It makes no sense to me as an entertainment reporter. And it makes no sense that basically the TV reporting core kind of all holds hands and sings Kumbaya. Like, I mean, I get being respectful and I'm certainly respectful of the people who are respectful of me. People like Justin, um, you know, where if I'm on something and then he calls on it or he calls on, he calls on something and then I call on it, you know, sometimes that first call may get honored, but other times it may be like, hey, can you guys just work together on this? And, and most times, particularly if it's someone like Justin, I'm like, absolutely, no, no problem, you know, um, because may, maybe for him it's not as good, but for Collider, a tie is almost a win. You know, to be uh, to to be breaking news the same time as the trades as the big boys, like I put us in the game. Um, and deadline always knows that it has another exclusive around the bend. You know, I may have to wait another week or two or three. So, anyways, that was sort of how the Sandman story all went down. Um, yeah, and and I, and I think that that will bear out. You know. I, I, like Neil Gaiman didn't acknowledge it at all on, on Twitter, but I feel like almost if it was wrong, he would have. Speaking of which, what's with all these, we got this covered stories. How many people are like reading this stuff and passing it around? Like how is this site so big? Like everything on their homepage is garbage. It's just not true. I want to start a site called we made this up and just post absolute bullshit every day and collect a, a check for us. Like, you know, the, the traffic that it's driving. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. Um, and you know, it's speaking of, of publicists and, and, and things like that. I had a long talk with a friend last night who interviewed, I'm not going to give the specifics. He interviewed a young uh, actor, not a new actor. And this actor is young, but has been around the block. And the actor said some things that, you know, maybe could make for a good headline. And after the interview was over, the publicist asked my friend to cut that stuff. That would make a good headline per the actor's reps. And so my friend was asking me for some advice and, and it's like, well, it's tricky. You know, this is a guest on your show. You want, you want to do right by the guest. You want to do right by the publicist and hope that the publicist brings you, you know, more guests. But at the same time, the interview is on the record and the actor knows this. And so if an, if an actor doesn't like a question, they can say no comment. Well, and if a publicist doesn't like a question, because I think the publicist was on the call, then it's the publicist's job to interrupt and say, you know what, we're trying to keep things to the movie today. You know, let, let's skip that question. If you don't do that, if you, the publicist doesn't jump in, right, and the actor doesn't say, no comment, you know, let's, let's skip that one. It's on the record and you can use it. And, 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 that, and at that point, you just have to make a, a call about uh, the relationship, you know, like if, if that was someone uh, whose agent was super important to me, 
and they give me a lot of stuff, then I want to keep that source happy and, and I will abide by their request. But at this, you know, on the other hand, if it's not someone I have, you know, a, a relationship with, or I'm not afraid to upset the relationship. And I don't really see why the relationship should be upset in the first place. It's not like I did anything. I just asked a question or my friend asked a question. Um, yeah. You just have to decide like w- what kind of journalist do you want to be? The, the kind of person who's going to do everything a publicist asked or the kind of person who's going to, you know, st- stick to their guns. And, and cause, cause anytime you break a story, you're going to be making waves unless you're like, you know, waiting, like I guess I did with the Zac Efron story, right? I waited, I waited, waited. And basically the whole time Blumhouse was putting me off so that to, to line up with the 40th anniversary of the book. Maybe that was a coincidence. Seemed like it was probably premeditated. Um, but, you know, when that story goes up, I'm like, well, I know Zac Efron won't be upset and Blumhouse won't be upset. Universal won't be upset. Like I'm in the clear. But something like Sandman... That's the opposite. That's like, okay, this is going to piss off Netflix. This may piss off Tom Sturridge's reps who don't want this out there yet, but I have it and it's newsworthy. And so you got to do it, or at least that's how, you know, that's how I think. So, you know, my friend, I I hope that he um, doesn't take it out because I think that you'll see those sound clips get passed around. Maybe it may even be a story. and, And then, People say, well, this originated on, on this show and, uh, you know, and that's how the show builds an audience is, is that, you know, you're reading about it on 40 different, you know, bl- uh, websites and blogs because they picked up that news worthy headline. If you just cut out that news, then nobody passes it around and you're stuck with the same audience that you had to begin with. So it's, it, it's a tough call. And I don't think a publicist would spurn you necessarily for just, I mean, if it's on, it's on tape, it's on tape. So it's up to you if you want to pull all your guests off the show after that. But, you know, this show is only going to be increasing in in credibility and and audience size. So anyways, Borat 2, which we had talked about earlier. uh, What is the full title is this thing? I think they just announced it today. One second. I'm going to open it up. This one is worth opening up the email. Borat. Let's see. It is Borat's subsequent movie film. Delivery of prodigious bribe to American regime for make benefit one's glorious nation of Kazakhstan. That's the title. So it's not the Mike Pence title. I'm sure that was the original title because that's how it was, you know, pitched. Uh, <laughs> That was, that's how it was registered, sorry, with the WGA, which was a legit filing. Uh, I guess it got pulled off the WGA because they ended up changing the title, and I can see why they wouldn't want uh, Pence's name in it. Um, I can, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Pence or, you know, someone in his office or, you know, someone in the White House told Amazon, like, listen, you can't, you, you want to take shots at Pence, it's fine, I'll go for it, but you're not going to have his fucking name in the title. Or maybe it didn't go like that. Who knows? I think that the first title was better. This prodigious bribe to American regime. Borat subsequent movie film. I don't know. You, you could have had fun, a little bit more fun with it. It could have been funnier. The trailer. Eh, I mean, so I really liked Borat the first time I saw it. I don't think I've ever revisited it. It's the sort of movie. I don't know how rewatchable it is because it's all about how outrageous those, you know, one-liners and pranks are. And, and so, 
you know, the outrage kind of goes away on, on second viewing, I imagine. Trailer looked okay. It didn't look like it was going to be the funniest movie ever. It looked like something that was sort of tossed off in the middle of a pandemic and sold to a desperate streaming service. Um, and, and, and I didn't mean to call, you know, Amazon desperate. They're all desperate. I didn't, you know, they're, they're hungry. They, they, they are starving for content. Uh, Amazon more so than Netflix. So yeah, I don't know why this didn't wind up on Netflix, which seems, I mean, I know Amazon prime is in, you know, millions and millions of homes around the, the globe. Um, seems like Netflix has a little bit of a bigger reach. Maybe they just had a line in the sand, you know, as far as, um, you know, a certain level of commitment. But I don't know. It's like if you're Netflix and you've got The Spy and Trial of the Chicago 7, I don't know why you don't want to just stay in the Sasha Baron Cohen business, but maybe they just really wanted to go with Amazon for, for one reason or another. Maybe it's, you know, the advertising. You know, Amazon can put Borat's face on every package that they send out across America for the next three weeks. Um, it is coming out on October 23rd, right? Yeah. Um, which means it's going to be coming out before election day. And, and I've had, and I have heard, you know, this does have some political gotcha moments, some, some fun surprises up its sleeve. I hope we see some, some cool celebrity cameos. I I think uh, last week or the week before that, I I threw out a, a fun rumor of the week if you will, about one of those cameos, but only go back if you want to be spoiled. Cause that, that one, I don't want to ruins anyone enjoyment of a good surprise. Um, listen, everyone, everyone's going to watch this thing. Right. And, and that's the goal when you're a streaming service is doesn't have to be good or bad. Just get the eyeballs and, and people will tune in for this. And you know what? We could all use a laugh right now, especially at uh, the white house's expense. So I'm all for it. Oh, and I guess Jason Woliner directed it. That was the big mystery that was revealed uh, via press release. Jason Woliner was, um, he's been like a Z Ansari's guy for, for a while. Uh, I think he, he definitely did some, some writing and directing with him. So, you know, say what you will about Aziz, but I've always liked the stuff that Aziz puts out. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see how, how Jason Woliner distinguishes this sequel from uh, the Larry Charles original. Francis and the Godfather, Oscar Isaac and Jake Gyllenhaal, starring as Francis Ford Coppola and Robert Evans. This is a movie about the making of the Godfather. Seems like a terrible idea to me. I'm not a fan of it. Um, not really a fan of Ben Affleck's Chinatown thing either, the big goodbye. Like I just, I get it that it's been 50 years and maybe it's time to revisit these stories and and, and it'll be fun to you know, see who's playing Peter Bart. And, um, but I just, it seems like a way to remake the Godfather without remaking the Godfather. Uh, Same thing with like that Jaws script uh, about Bruce the shark and all the mechanical failures. Like, I don't know, maybe the disaster artist is like the new model. I, I just, I get a bad feeling about it. And, and Barry Levinson is a, a solid director. He's made a lot of good movies, but he, he's also made some where it's just like, really? I think that the, the, the movie is primarily told from the point of view of Robert Evans. So Jake Gyllenhaal is the star. Um, now, not everybody knows who, who Robert Evans is. So I think Oscar sort of got positioned as the star because, you know, Francis Ford Coppola is who he is and he's the director. Do I like that role for Oscar? I mean, I could see how he maybe looks the part, but 
No, I don't. I'm not going to lie. I, I, I am a big fan of Oscar Isaac. I, I'm, I'm tight, tight with his reps, but it just doesn't – just didn't seem like a great choice. I, I mean, may, maybe the script is phenomenal, in which case, you know, I'll, I'll have egg on my face a year from now, a year and a half from now. But, yeah, I just don't – I don't know. Francis – Oscar Isaac is Francis Ford Coppola. Isn't Francis like a big, bigger guy? Oscar's like a little, a little guy. I, I just don't know if somebody like even Brett Gelman, who is not, you know, a big star by, you know, he's not like a name star, but he, he kind of has that Francis Ford Coppola look. You can make him uh, look a little bit more Italian or something. I just don't know. I mean, I mean, I feel weird even arguing against having Oscar Isaac in a movie because he's an amazing actor and, and uh, I love that guy, but I don't know that I see him as as Francis Ford Coppola. I just, I don't know. Jill and all I could see is Robert Evans. Maybe it's just the glasses that he was wearing in Velvet Buzzsaw that, that uh, helped, helped that one. We have a question about that, I think, in our mailbag today. So we'll talk about that a little bit more. Uh, Doug Lyman assembled the cast for his heist, his, his pandemic-themed heist rom-com. I think I got that right. Uh, this is the movie that's going to have Anne Hathaway. She's going to be paired with Chiwetel Ejiofor. I think they're actually playing a couple that is not really getting along. And so to sort of, you know, uh, put the spark back in their marriage, if you will, they decide to rob a department store, which sounds kind of cool. Uh, it's going to start uh, co-star Lily James, Ben Stiller, Stephen Merchant. It's called Lockdown. Clever. Um uh, I, I'm like I'm into it. It sounds like it, it's more of like a low budget kind of thing. I mean, Doug Lyman has to do something before he goes off to outer space with with Tom Cruise, and uh, right, that's Doug Lyman, isn't it? But he also needs to wash the taste of chaos walking out of his mouth. So, if this is the project that uh, allows him to do it, he's he's certainly got a, a great cast. I mean, Hathaway, Ejiofor, Stiller, and Lily James. It's a pretty good ensemble for a, a London set romantic heist movie. Idris Alba this week signing on to do a movie called Beast from Balthazar Cormaker, who has become a, a favorite son at uh, Universal. He did Contraband, he did Two Guns, Everest. So he's going to be doing this movie, and it's a lot like The Shallows and Crawl. You know, those followed a shark and, and a, a pack of alligators, a congregation of alligators, if you will. This one's about a killer lion. So I don't know if it's, you know, set in, in the jungle or maybe this lion has got loose in the middle of New York City. I don't freaking know. But uh, Idris Elba is going to be stopped by a beast, by a lion. And, and I like it. People like these kind of one-on-one man versus monster creature feature type things. Um, I wish the title was a little bit better. I've seen, like, I don't know, four different movies called Beasts or something like that. It just seemed like Beast, 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 Beast. And you got a movie called Beast, Beast. And he was in Beast of No Nation. And it's just, can we do better than the word Beast? I would love a, a different title. Like I, I always liked The Shallows as a title because it was like, well, what is The Shallows? What lurks in The Shallows? Um, even Crawl was, you know, more clever. So, that might need a new title, but you know, I'm, I'm all for Idris Elba doing, the, doing this kind of a movie. I think Cormaker is actually a really 
pretty solid director who doesn't necessarily get the credit he deserves. Like Everett, Everest did not do very well. I thought Everest was very well done. I mean, to see that movie on like IMAX, on an IMAX screen, like it's kind of gorgeous, but uh, whatever. Didn't, didn't seem to register. Steven Soderbergh changed, speak of titles, changed the title of Kill Switch to No, no Sudden Move. I think I would have liked the plural for this one. No sudden moves. But okay. We got no sudden move. We got uh, David Harbour filling in for Sebastian Stan. Benicio Del Toro confirmed his to fill in for Josh Brolin. They added uh, Kieran Culkin, Ray Liotta, Julia Fox, who was, you know, the, stand, uh, the breakout from Uncut Gems. So Soderbergh, up to his old tricks once again, has assembled a fantastic cast for this movie. It's a 50-set crime thriller. There is a home invasion element to it. I think it's about three guys who, who break into a home looking for something, and, and then they don't – but, like, you know, like, something's amiss. And, and I think that they, they realize they, they've been double-crossed, or they're not exactly sure who sent them into this home in the first place, or it wasn't who they thought it was. Um. It's written by Ed Solomon, who Bill and Ted face the music notwithstanding is a pretty good screenwriter. And I, and I think that uh, I've talked to Ed. He's very excited about this script. He always liked it. Always got a really good response to it. I'm a big Soderbergh guy. I mean, he's not, he's, he's not a hundred percent in my book. You know, there are Soderbergh movies that I don't love, but for the most part, this is a very thoughtful filmmaker and he's had a lot of extra time to uh, hone, you know, this script and, and figure out what he wants to do with it, how he wants to approach it. I think there's there are, you know, some political and social themes in this. It's not just like a, a, a genre home invasion movie at all. I think that the fact that Don Cheadle is the lead and the fact that he's black in 50s Detroit plays a big part in this. So I'm, I'm very much looking forward to, uh, forward to No Said Move. I'm looking forward to Soderbergh's next movie, Let Them All Talk on HBO Max, so... Yeah, the more Soderbergh, the merrier. Aldous Hodge got cast as Hawkman in DC's Black Adam movie. This announcement went over like gangbusters at Collider. We were all excited about this. Not that I had a goddamn clue who Hawkman is. And frankly, again, we have a Hawkeye. Now we need a Hawkman. Like, what are, why are all the names the same? Miss Marvel, Captain Marvel. What is there, Lieutenant Marvel? Sergeant Marvel, General Marvel. I just can't we fucking figure something else out. But leaving aside the name of the character, everybody loves Aldous Hutch. This guy, very generous with his time as far as interviews of Collider uh, goes. I thought he was tremendous uh, in custody last year with Alfred Woodard. That indie came out uh, very under the radar at the end of the year. He also was in City on a Hill, which was great. Uh, I thought he did a, in a fantastic job playing DeCoursey Ward on that Showtime series that I really, you know, I should be watching that right now. I don't, I don't know if they ended up uh, filming it, filming season two before the pandemic, but I hope that he does come back for that show, even though he is a, a blossoming movie star. He was in the best narrative movie I've seen all year, which is the invisible man. And I know that movie is more about, you know, it's a tour de force for Elizabeth Moss and really for its director, uh, Lee Winnell. But Aldous Hodge did a totally good job. 
Like he he was solid. He, he showed up. He, he did the job he was asked to do. And uh, and and I like the idea of him pairing with the uh, the Rock and No Centennial on on Black Adam again. I don't really know much about Hawkman, but I could see Albus Hodge in that costume, and I think he's going to look badass. The guy has the physique of a superhero. Um, yeah, I I just think that that's a, it's a very smart addition to the DC universe. Because if they'd waited any longer, like that guy could wind up in, in, in Marvel so quickly, you know? Like we saw Jonathan Majors get the, uh, what was it? The Ant-Man 3 villain. I wonder if Aldous, Aldous Hodge went in for that, didn't get it, and then was like, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll take a you know, role in DC's movie. Again, I don't know that, but I imagine that Aldous Hodge and Jonathan Majors will be going out for the same roles for years to come. And deservedly so. They're, they're both very, very talented. Um, Cherry, Tom Holland's movie with the Russo brothers landing on Apple TV. Bit of a surprise. Not Netflix or Amazon or even VOD. And that, that actually seemed like a movie that could have gone to VOD and recouped because it's not a $100 million movie. And it does, it is from the Russos and, and, uh, and Tom Holland. But, I, you know, for Apple, they probably overpaid for it just to get, you know, to have a relationship, to start that relationship with the Russos. And, and in that case, it's money well spent. Um, I'm really looking forward to this movie. It is Tom Holland as like a opioid addicted bank robber. You know, he comes back from Iraq, starts robbing banks. Uh, Ciara Bravo is his love interest. And I really, I just want to see more out of Tom Holland and see if this guy, you know, is, is a real actor like the devil all the time i thought he was good but he he, he didn't like blow me away or anything I, I that also what you know maybe wasn't the best vehicle for him because it was this ensemble driven thing and his character is kind of you know single-minded he's on this you know pur- pursuit of revenge so i don't know how many shades we got to see this is the kind of movie that would really be a, a showcase for him and who knows maybe he even makes his way into the best actor race or, or something like that. Uh, but I, I, you know, he's going to need more support and a bigger push than Apple gave the Tom Hanks movie Greyhound. Um, yeah. That, that, that'll be interesting to see if Apple can get that movie, any nominations or if, it, if it's even worthy. I mean, I wouldn't have thought it an Oscar player, but I can also see how it might be just, it all depends on the tone. You know, the Russo brothers don't strike me as, as awards bait kind of guys, but you know, maybe they wanted to do something completely different for a change. Uh, I broke that father of the bride reboot story right before last week's show. I think that I mentioned it at the end of last week's show too, but in case uh, you signed off early, Matt Lopez is writing that reboot. It's going to be about a Cuban American wedding. Um, what else? Mark Gordon is doing a fistful of dollars TV show. Is that really where we're at right now? The remaking or adapt- they're doing a fistful of dollars? Really? Everyone at Collider kind of groaned when that thing was announced. It was, it's a, it, you know, it felt like Mark Gordon just grabbing a fistful of dollars while he could. Uh, yeah. Yara Shahidi signing on to be Tinkerbell in a live action Peter Pan movie up at Disney. Uh, this is the one with um, Mia Jovovich and Paul W. S. Anderson's little girl, right? Um, and I think that they have a boy as well. I forget who it is, 
Uh, but yeah, clear, you know, listen, this feels like a VOD thing. This is probably not going to be a theatrical play. This feels like something that's going to Disney plus. I think they've probably said otherwise, but that was, you know, before the pandemic. I just, I don't, I just don't know that that one makes sense for, for theatrical, particularly how many times we've seen, you know, Peter Pan and Wendy stories told on the big screen. Uh, Netflix announced uh, or deadline scoop that Chris Hemsworth, Miles Teller, and Journey Smollett are going to star in Joe Kosinski's new movie, Spiderhead. God, I sent Netflix the first, uh, the first email about Miles Teller doing Spy- Spiderhead like a year ago, October 2019. No joke. At the time, it was going to be Miles Teller and Josh Brolin. So, you know, one Marvel guy out, another Marvel guy in. It's probably for the best. Chris Hemsworth, you know, is going to attract more eyeballs than, than Josh Brolin will. And Journey Smollett, a, a nice pickup. She's obviously having a, a major moment with uh, Lovecraft Country and um, and Birds of Prey. Uh, Spiderhead. It sounds interesting. You can check out the log line on Collider. Joe Kosinski, I think, is is going to be in super big demand after Top Gun comes out. But you know, that's not till next summer now. It got pushed. So I'm not surprised that he maybe left at this opportunity to work with guys like Hemsworth and, and Teller. He's been developing this movie for a while. So once once they got Hemsworth, it, it probably was a go. This is a, a an interesting Netflix movie that I'm definitely keeping an eye on. It may not be, you know, a two hundred million dollar movie or, you know, one of their one of their gigantic ones, but I, I think that, that one could definitely end up uh, making its mark if it, if it, if it's good, you know, if, otherwise, I mean, you tell me like project power, the old guard, I thought both of them were fine. They're both like two and a half star movies. Spiderhead maybe on paper is another two and a half star movie, but I, I think it does have the potential to, to reach that three star echelon. Ice cube teaming with Timor Beck, man, on a movie Zendaya signing on to play Ronnie Spector for a 24. I'm not, you know, I don't know how super familiar I am with Ronnie Spector's catalog, but Zendaya doing an A24 movie, I think, is is nice. I mean, A24 produces Euphoria. So, yeah, they have that relationship. I don't know. I, this project may have been set up somewhere else and then moved over to A24 because of that relationship. But, obviously, any it's just smart for anybody to get on the Zendaya gravy train these days because she is – you know, a, a legitimate star who's only getting bigger, just won that Emmy for Euphoria, came out of nowhere to beat out, to beat out people like Laura Linney and, and Jen Aniston. And, uh, you know, it definitely caught me by surprise, but she's solid on, on Euphoria. She's good on the show. And, and I imagine that Netflix thought she was very good in the Malcolm and Marie footage that they saw that, that prompted them to pay $30 million for that movie. Um, God, I love the diversity here. You know, we're talking about Yara Shahidi, Journey Smollett, Ice Cube, Zendaya, Barry Jenkins directing The Lion King prequel slash sequel. I think it's like a Mufasa-type origin story, or it's going to be flashing back to tell the position, to tell the story of Mufasa and how he became the, the king of Pride Rock or whatever the hell. This was another one that totally caught me off guard. Like, if you had said Barry Jenkins is going to direct the Lion King sequel, prequel thing, I would have left you out of the building. But this is another example where some will say this is a waste of this guy's talent. And I won't argue. 
it does seem like a waste, if only because I thought the the Lion King, you know, the live action remake, live action, uh, felt kind of like a waste. It was just like, who is this? I know it's for, it's for this, you know, so this new generation of kids can have their own version of the Lion King, but the original Lion King was a masterpiece. So it, it just felt creatively bankrupt to me, but that's the remake. This is going to be a completely different new story. So maybe Barry Jenkins after finishing the underground railroad was just like, man, I need a fucking break. Like th- this is heavy stuff from moonlight to Beale street to underground railroad. Like, these are some serious projects. Maybe you just want to do something fun. You know, maybe him and Lulu Wong are working on starting a family and they want to, you know, be able to show their, you know, future kid, a movie that one of them made, like, maybe it's also a gigantic payday. I mean, I don't think Barry Jenkins got super rich making Moonlight or, or Beale Street. So regard, you know, whatever Barry Jenkins motive is, the guy has earned the right to do what he wants. Right? If he wants to make The Lion King, more power to him. You know, at least we know that we have a great filmmaker expanding that story. How, you know, whichever way it's expanded, that way or this way, forwards or backwards, uh, it, you know, the, the legacy of The Lion King is in good hands with, with Barry Jenkins, certainly. Uh, and LeBron James signing a first look deal with Universal. I felt like he had signed a first look deal with the Warner Media, and I don't know how long it was. Maybe it was just a year or two. Didn't seem like much came out of it. I, they could never get like that house party movie off the ground. Um, Space Jam Two. I, I feel like there were some a lot of hiccups behind the scenes on that. I, it'll be very interesting when that movie comes out. What we hear about it and what we don't hear about it. Um, but very smart of Universal to get into bed with LeBron. I mean, eventually his playing days are going to have to come to an end. God, excuse me. I mean, he's in the finals right now, so that that may be a long time. But LeBron is a cultural institution, almost like Oprah. And he he just – he has a very loyal fan base. He controls a a certain audience. And – you know, we haven't seen a lot of stuff come out of his production company yet. I mean, you know, there's like the wall and, and he's got, he's developing a whole bunch of projects, including a, a, a thing about young LeBron. In fact, let me just, I got to put this out there right now. I guess this is the, this is the rumor of the week, but it's like, I don't even buy it, which is why I haven't even looked into it. Okay. I'd heard a rumor that they wanted to cast Caleb McLaughlin from Stranger Things as young LeBron in this shooting stars movie. I mean, he is a little guy. Like LeBron was like 6'5 by the time he was 15. And you're not going to find too many 15-year-olds who are, who are 6'5 um, who can act. So it is a tough part to cast. I don't know if they'll do it something where like they cast Caleb and then cast a bunch of shorter classmates make him appear taller i don't even know what span this is necessarily covering in in lebron's life i would imagine around 15 16 when he started appearing on magazines i just i couldn't believe it because i i just don't think of caleb mclaughlin as the guy kind of guy who would be like a no-brainer athlete as a teenager and he, he's he's scrawny but you know he, he is good on on stranger things we'll see if anything happens with that don't pick that up. I'm telling you, 
If I was confident in that, I would say run, run, run wild with it. But, you know, I, I just don't see that happening. Uh, Batman and Buried, they announced a podcast on Spotify. Are people going to listen to this stuff? Like, who wants to sit there and listen to a Batman story being told? Read a comic book, watch a movie. That's not really... I don't know about these audio dramas. It seems like a lot of talented actors just don't want to return to set. So if you can send them a microphone and they can just record record, uh, record the lines from the comfort of their own homes, that's definitely what they would prefer to do. You're definitely seeing more and more bigger names doing these uh, you know, audio dramas, these scripted podcasts, if you will. I'm sure they'll get some really cool names for Batman and Barry. I can't wait to see who they get to play Bruce Wayne because it's going to explore the dark psychology of the character. Um, but yeah, I'm not, I, I'm not on Spotify. If I was, maybe it'd be a different story, but I have no plans to, to listen to something like that. Billions got renewed for season six. I don't watch Billions. Uh, I do feel bad about it, though. I, I wrote that in the article. I actually feel guilty when people are like, oh, Billions is so good. How can you not watch that? It's not like Game of Thrones where I just laughed at them. I was like, I don't care about Game of Thrones. I don't care about dragons and who's going to be the Iron Throne, you know, win, sit on the Iron Throne. I just don't care. With Billions, I, I at least feel bad. There's at least some guilt there that I don't watch it. But I just don't have time for all this stuff. There's too much to watch. I'm a film reporter, so I'm watching movies. TV is what I can fit in in the meantime, and I just don't have time for those those prestige shows. I like more niche stuff. Um, niche, 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 niche. All right. I think that that... No, we, we just have a few reviews and, and trailer things to talk about uh, before we get to mailbag. I had about 10 minutes left in the show. Okay, I watched American Murder last night. That's a must-see. That's a top 10 movie of the year for sure. Um, tough to watch at times. But it's all pieced together from this uh, this deceased woman's text messages and you know Facebook posts and then just like uh, police police materials you know like um, polygraph tests and and, and uh, recorded interviews. But it's basically about this this woman and her two children who disappear, and uh, you know the husband eventually falls under suspicion. I, I don't think it, it takes a detective to figure that stuff out. But it, it really was very, very effective. And, it, 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 you know, I read some of the negative reviews last night, and I think that they were expecting something different or they wanted this movie to engage more with certain questions that it raises. Um, but for what it was, I, I, thought, I thought it did a great job. And... If you're a true crime junkie, this is one you will not want to miss. I watched Wild Card. I think I mentioned that last week on the podcast, but I, I don't remember to the extent, nor do I. I don't even know if this is under embargo or not. Um, so, I, again, I won't say too much about it other than I really in, enjoyed it. Uh, you know, this is not a documentary, a documentary that's getting a ton of press on HBO. It's about Boomer Esiason's former radio co-host, Craig Carton, and his gambling addiction. Um, and yeah, it just, it, it affected me because to, just to watch a guy like make mistakes like that and, and, you know, pay us, pay a steep price and learn from them. 
I think it's a powerful, uh, you know, re- redemption arc. Uh, I watched Save Yourselves this week. That was a, a Sundance title. It is, you know, I, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it on the whole. It was a little disappointing. It was a little slight. It's basically about a couple who, who decide to unplug for a weekend and, and head up uh, to this remote, you know, cabin upstate. And, um, and then there's an alien invasion. So the two leads had, had great chemistry. They were very, very likable. But the movie just kind of petered out, and it, and there's, it takes this weird third act turn uh, that that introduces a new character or a few new characters, and um, yeah, I just didn't like where it, where it ended up. Uh, I, I like the message that it was putting out there, but um, listen, I'll, I'll put it this way: I put it on. It's the lowest movie on my good but should have been better movies list rather than like one of the top movies on the ultimately disappointing list. I didn't want to call it disappointing because I think that it accomplished a lot given the budget. Um, and I really did like the the performances and, and some of the writing, but um, yeah, it was, it was, it was on the border. That, that's, that's a bubble title. You may get more out of it than me, or you may be like, why the hell did I watch that? But it's worth taking a look at. Uh, also trial of the Chicago seven. I did talk about that last week. Uh, and, and, you know, just reading the reactions, I was saying this isn't going to win any Oscars. Now that I've seen the film for myself, it's a good movie. I think, I think you'd be stupid to say, like, to, to deny that. I, it, it works. It definitely works. I stand by the, assess, the assessment. This, I don't see it as winning any Oscars. Um, and Mark Rylance was, was very good. Um, I think ultimately it's just that Sorkin is a better writer than he is a director. I think another director, someone like Steven Spielberg would have made a very different movie out of that. I think Sorkin has certain limitations as a director. And I think he needs to just recognize those strengths and weaknesses. I'm not saying he has to be as good a director as he is a writer, because that would be close to impossible. But um, I mean, the movie's based on history and it's a courtroom drama. So it's not like you can really spoil it, but like when you've got the judge banging the gavel at the end, order, order. And, and, uh, you know, Joseph Gordon-Levitt standing up and clapping for the other side. It's like, it's an eye roll. And and so I understand, you know, I think I had mentioned that last week that some people I knew had sort of called it an eye roller and it kind of is. It's just like, this is, I don't know. And, it, and it's long. It's like two hours and 20 minutes. And I'm not saying that it drags necessarily, but it, it, there's a lot. There's a, it's biting off a lot. And I think it may be ultimately more than it can chew. This may have been better as like a two night sort of special, like uh, the Comey rule turned out to be. Again, I think it'll be a player for sure. Um, but yeah, I don't see it winning. And, and, Truly, it's like there just weren't enough women in the movie. I I don't think that women are really going to be embracing Trial of the Chicago 7 or voting for that title. There's two women in the movie. They have very, very small parts. Yeah, I I think that's going to be tough. All right, let's take some mailbag questions because i got to wrap this bad boy up. Keltrick says, hey again, Jeff, I purchased all my movies on iTunes. I did a blind purchase of The Firm. It was $14.99, Paramount updated in 4K, Dolby Vision looked stunning. I love the movie, truly edge of your seat. I have to ask, why doesn't Tom Cruise do, do more dramatic stuff anymore? 
It's a great question. I, I think Tom Cruise sort of has that Peter Pan uh, syndrome where he just never really wants to grow up. Um, I think he just wants to convince the world that he can keep doing the action stuff forever and ever and ever. I mean, and he's an adrenaline junkie. Like he, everything's sort of been done at this point. He's been around long enough to see it all done. That's why he's going to outer space. Cause he's like, shit, I could be the first person to, to do that. Uh, and I think that those are the kinds of challenges that drive Tom Cruise. Um, I think eventually the right filmmaker will come along much like they did with, whether it was Paul Thomas Anderson or Cameron Crowe or Oliver Stone, you know, those are the movies he got nominated for, but a big director like that will come along and offer Tom Cruise a part that he just will not be able to turn down. And I, I think Tom Cruise wants an Oscar. I think Tom Cruise wants one the same way that Brad Pitt wanted one, not just for producing, uh, but for acting, which he won last year for, for once upon a time in Hollywood. You know, imagine Once Upon a Time in Hollywood with Tom Cruise in place of Brad Pitt. Would he have won the Oscar? That That's an interesting question. Uh, I, I don't necessarily know why Tom Cruise doesn't do that stuff anymore. I, I think that, you know, maybe he's just trying to make the most of his eligibility as an action star because he knows that the end probably is near and he won't be able to dr- jump off buildings forever. And at that point, he'll be able to go and do more dramatic stuff and really flex those acting muscles that I think we all know that he has. Born on the 4th of July is incredible. Jerry Maguire, Magnolia, like, come on. Uh, Keltrick also asks, uh, with Bill and Ted 3 being successful on PVOD, do you think it bodes well for more movies doing that model? Thanks and have a, a blessed day. Uh, I do think that it bodes well for more movies doing that model, but it depends on the movie. You know, like even Borat went to Amazon and took the guaranteed money that Amazon was offering rather than putting it out on PBOD and gambling that way. A lot, like when I am downstairs with dad who pays, you know, the cable bills around here, if I'm ordering on my Apple TV upstairs, then I pay that bill, right? Because the Apple TV is connected to my credit card. But if I'm just renting a movie on VOD, dad's always asking, well, is it free? Do I have have to pay for this? Do I have to pay money? So some people just don't want to do that. They don't want to have to, you know, they're they're willing to wait the three or six months until the movie becomes available free on some service or another. Um, It just depends what it is. But, it, you know, like I have extra funds at my disposal, but I'm also not like rolling in money where like I just want to buy every $20 release that comes out. So I really wanted to see Antebellum, right? Really wanted to see it. But then the reviews hit and they weren't good. And so it's like, do I really want to spend $20 on a movie that I know isn't that good? And I don't really have anybody to watch it with, you know? If it's a date where you're watching with a group of people and everybody can pitch in five bucks, maybe then it's worth it. But do I want to spend, yeah, I don't want to spend $20 on, on Antebellum when I can just wait three months and catch it then. Derek Walker Jr. asks, can, I, can you recommend one new and one timeless screenplay for new or struggling writers to read? Um, there, I, there's not exactly screenplays that I, I recommend, but I would just say, you know, an adapted screenplay would be something like, um, one, uh, sorry, One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest or Sounds of the Lambs. If you can get your hands on those, those are two movies based on books that I think are perfect. As far as a new screenplay, I mean... Just pay attention to what hits the blacklist on, on uh, in December, and you know try try to get your hands on those scripts that are, that are atop the blacklist. Even this script for uh, the Francis for Francis and the Godfather, I bet you that's that's really interesting. Um, even if I don't think it sounds like a, like a great idea, I bet you the script uh, it would be worth a read. 
Uh, Derek also asks, would I be interested in a soundbite wheel slice for Schmodown? They could play five to seven seconds from a movie and the first person to hit the buzzer with the correct answer gets the point. I would love that. I would love to see the, the Schmodown incorporate more music and film. The problem is getting the rights to that stuff. And that's why a lot of us can't use um, just the music that we want to come out to in the Schmodown uh, because of rights stuff. So that's why they, you know, we all, all the factions sort of have generic music themes now. Um, and I'm sure there are a few ex- exceptions here and there, but yeah, that that's why, you know, they don't want to have like movie clips. I don't know if like, does Jeopardy pay to license clips and, and, and things like that uh, when, when they have those video daily doubles or things? Uh, I don't know. Um, it would be super interesting. And if you are interested in that stuff, Derek, then check out um, Settle the Score, which is Matt Nose's new game show on his YouTube channel. I played JTE this week. I think the video just went up this morning and it, and it was awesome. I had a great time doing it. It's a great idea for a show. And the reason he can get away with that is he actually hired a guy to play the piano rather than using the actual music clip. Uh, I'm also asked, do you think it's a better idea to cast unknowns in the Pacino Brando parts in the Godfather making of movie? Also, is there any chance Affleck will just cast Hall's Robert Evans in his Chinatown movie? That would be kind of interesting if Joan Hall played Robert Evans in both movies um, to create a, a Robert Evans universe, if you will. I don't, I don't know that I see that happening. I, I suspect, you know, Affleck will find his own Robert Evans. Um, listen, if you can find fucking unknowns to play Pacino and Brando, you know, have at it for sure. I, I think that those guys are very, very unique. I think for Brando, if you could get Tom Hardy or Mark Ruffalo, those are the guys. Like Ruffalo's nickname is Baby Brando. Tom Hardy, uh, you know, I think was he? I think he was going to star in a Brando biopic. So those are the guys that you want. Pacino, maybe even tougher to cast. <clears throat> so yeah, um, I'd also check out the the Belushi trailer on Showtime. I got it looks like a fun documentary about John Belushi. We finally got a trailer for Sound of Metal. I heard that there's screeners for that. Amazon, hook it up, bro. Hook it up. This has become like a Sound of Metal podcast. Not even getting the screeners. Finding out from other people that there are screeners. I find it all out. I find it all out. These, these, these streaming services don't think we talk to each other. Let me tell you, I'm on top of shit. I even know what top secret Netflix movie has started screening. That's right. You know what I'm talking about. Anyways, that'll do it for the Snyder Cut. Um, do I have anything else? I don't really think so. Eh, we'll save it for next week, right? It's not going anywhere. There are no other reporters with the balls to put these kinds of stories out there. Thank you for watching, listening, following along. Uh, you can hit me up at the InSnyder um, on, on Twitter and Instagram, and you can find me on Cameo, guys. Cameo, C-A-M-E-O dot com. Otherwise, happy October. It's crazy. It's crazy to think about. Go Pats. See you next week. It's that little chico pit boom, Mr. 305, but it said Mr. Worldwide. You already know what it is. Listen to my new podcast from negative to positive. Subscribe today. Now, part of the things that we're doing over here at negative to positive is encouraging people to change their lives, change the things that are within their power. 
I want to thank our good friends at KFC for helping me bring this to you. Feed your whole crew with KFC Let's Go. I can get the KFC bucket of chicken and you know that's fire. Now, Babo, you know that you can get that mac and cheese, that mashed potato, gravy, those biscuits. Now, that's that's trouble right there. That is fire right there. You know, on negative to positive, we're always talking about striving and achievement. And, and the Colonel Sanders story is, is a story that inspired me since I was 10 years old. Look how life comes full circle. Now I'm talking about Colonel Sanders and Kentucky Fried Chicken and how much I love it. <laughs> Listen to my new podcast from negative to positive. Check out the vodcast. Subscribe today. Apple Podcast, Podcast One, Spotify. Shop Black Friday week deals Sunday through Friday at Kohl's. Plus, get $15 Kohl's cash for every $50 spent. And take an extra 15% off. Get the big one throws, $849. Toastmaster small appliances are just $214 after rebate. And Fitbit Versa 2 is $129.99. Plus, take 30% off Lego, 70% off fine jewelry, and save on boots for her, $16.99. Plus, get fast and free store pickup. Shop Black Friday week deals at Kohl's and Kohl's.com. Select styles. Offers valid November 22nd through the 27th. 15% off with promo code ENJOY15. Lego and Fitbit offers and coupons do not apply. Some exclusions apply. See store or Kohl's.com for details.